0: What
1: did he say? There's a guy in our quartet talks like no one I've heard yet. He
2: mumbles, mumbles all the
1: time. He's
2: got no reason and he's got no right What did he say? You know I that What did he say? You like to go there? What did he say? He said, bring something round, we'll have a ball today. You are listening to the next voice you hear with Wan Yoon. Hello and welcome to the next voice you hear. My name is Wan Yoon and to the left of me is my right-hand man, Nevin Ryan. Say hello, Nevin.
1: Hello, humans.
2: So, um, normally on this podcast, I don't put colleagues of ours on it. They tend to be people well outside of, um, you know, our own circles. But this time, there's somebody in our midst who works in our Montreal office who's just so fascinating and cool that we decided to put him on the podcast. His name is Andrea Doyon. Andrea is the um, chief storyteller at Alice & Smith. Alice & Smith is a gaming firm... That um, And I'll explain or I'll let Andrea explain what that is exactly. But Andrea is uh, part of our group of companies and had the distinction very early in his career as uh, one of the first partners in the agency, Sid Lee, uh, which is a renowned agency here in Canada. And he was chief technology officer at the age of 18. So he was a real prodigy. Um, someone who is not only technologically extremely gifted but incredibly imaginative Mm -hmm. and the worlds and stories and then the games within those worlds and stories that he's been able to create has uh, made him quite renowned in the world of alternate reality games or ARG so if you go to uh, Wikipedia there's actually a really good article on ARG um, or alternate reality games. Alison Smith and Andrea are mentioned in that article because he helped to create that, um, that new world, new, new sector. Exactly. And um, we had a really amazing conversation with him. So in this episode, he's going to talk about what are alternate reality games, what is gaming in terms of the gaming gene that he believes everybody has, and, and how does that relate to design, marketing, culture business etc
1: hmm yeah for me recording and listening to your conversation firsthand was a big eye-opener for me as I had zero clue that this this world actually existed like every other millennial I'm well versed in Xbox PlayStation and 64 is my jam not much of a Sega Genesis man but what Andrea does is a complete offshoot from that conventional gaming unlike Virtual gaming or augmented gaming, mm-hmm. augmented reality, if you will, it doesn't require you to put on like a obnoxious headset or make you look through an iPhone, mm-hmm. kind of like that Pokemon game, <laughs> makes you look like a ginormous tool. Instead, alternate reality game works on the premise that there's a lot more going on in the world than meets the eye.
2: Yes, and in fact, uh, I was talking to Andrea offline, and and I said. There's a real um, element, a huge element of the alternate reality game, in the recent movies by John w- about John Wick, yeah, uh, the Keanu Reeves movies, and in or, John the Wick- or the Matrix, or the Matrix, yes. But in John Wick One and John Wick Two, it's closer to what uh, ARG does in the sense that it takes place in New York, mm-hmm. present tense. And uh, all, behind the facade of what we know as the real New York, it posits that there is a underworld of assassins, a mm-hmm. global network of assassins. And they have their own culture. They have their own rules. They have their own uh, hotel, you know, and they, they kind of know each other. They, there's a certain system by which they get their jobs, you know, and that they're deployed. And, and paid
1: with those and weird paid, coins. paid,
2: you know, uh, and there's certain vendors that they go to that only, you know, they know. Et it's super, super cool. And mm-hmm. it's a world behind the world that Yeah. We know.
1: Have you seen The Game, David Finch's The Game no, with Michael Douglas? No, have
2: told me about it, but apparently that's very much yeah. the first film that really exposed Exactly.
1: That. It's very similar, except it's purely voluntary. Mm. Um, and the goal is to not make you plunge to your death. Uh, from a skyscraper to just to realize that you've been an asshole your entire life, which is, <laughs> I kind of gave, gave away the ending, but I don't know if you're going to see it or not. But uh, yes, alternative reality game creators usually deny that there's a difference between the world that we're living in mm. um, and the world that they create. Right? Yes. And Andrea and Allison Smith are those creators. Yes. So one of their most notable games, which you mentioned, was Black Watchmen. So let's, let's listen to the interview, let's let it play uh, and hear about that.
2: Andrea, you're you guys are very famous for a, a famous game called the Black Watchmen. What is that?
0: So uh, Black Watchmen is the first permanent alternate reality game in the market right now. It's mean that the alternate reality game runs since um, three years now, and it's permanent, so it's ever evolving. Um, it's a paid alternate reality game also, which is also a first, um, because most of the alternate mar- uh, alternate reality game in the market are mostly promotional or really short short, small event or short-term event. And with Black we wanted to prove that we can actually run an alternate reality for a long time, have it evolve, uh, having people involved in it and uh, make it grow and make it profitable also, make it self-sustainable in terms of money and, you know, in terms of uh, revenue.
2: So I'd like to remind people that gaming as an industry, you know, by 2007 to 2008, when we had the financial crisis, had become considerably larger than the the movie and the music industries put together, and then continued to grow unabated throughout the financial crisis. It seems to be immune from the, these crises. So there's something there that inherently attracts human beings. What is it about gaming, or what is it about an alternate reality that is so seductive to us?
0: Well, actually, on our side at Allison Smith, we 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 say that we, what we are interested in is what we call the gamer gene and the gaming gene, actually, and we consider that you know we all have that gaming gene somehow at different level, different mutation of that gene, uh, different different generation of that gene, um, but this is something that is extremely um, uh, responsive to many type of stimulation, um, alternate reality. And the fiction and the universe and the immersion of the alternate reality is really appealing for many of of people with the gaming gene. Um, And and the Black Watchmen or, you know, the fact that you can go way beyond a movie or a book and, and live an experience and have that alternate reality life alongside your mundane or your day to day life basically is is the field in which we're evolving and having a lot of fun creating this game and engaging our players and and, and touching them, you know, on a weekly or a monthly basis with different mission, different scenarios and different events like that.
2: So I I'm a as and you know, a lot of people who know me know, I'm a big film buff and any films, you know, from obscure art films to big blockbusters the um the biggest blockbuster of all time, by a wide margin, was Avatar. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about Avatar, uh, if you looked at the news reports like a year or so later, was that uh, a lot of the revenue, let's call it, came from people who went to see Avatar between seven and seventeen times. <laughs> and when they when some of them were polled or or, or interviewed, They talked about how they just liked to escape from their current life and go back into that reality that James Mm -hmm. Cameron created. And it was a relief for them, you know, to be in it. Gaming takes it a step further. Alternate reality games takes it a big step further, et cetera. What is the psychology that keeps
0: us going back to an alternate reality? Um, The way we crafted our game is is the fact that we made it um, as complete as possible in terms of how you could freely evolve in our game. So instead of being maybe a frame or something to structure our game are completely open so you can role play your character in our game um, of course as a frame there's some 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 component of that universe that we control um, but there's a part that we let completely open to the players to control and um, and we interact with that in a really organic way in the sense that they can have an impact um, and they can make choice that will change the storyline of the games. So we basically create kind of an ecosystem, and that is really appealing for 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 a type of audience mm-hmm. that enjoy uh, the notion of compared to the moviegoer you were referencing. In our case, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more involvement, um, but there's a notion the fact that this this universe, you know, after playing our games for two years or three years or being in our universe for a long time, uh, it's it's not part of their life. It's part of their daily entertainment or monthly entertainment, for example. Mm-hmm. And this, um, but, but I think that probably at that stage, maybe there's, there's some people who actually don't understand what's an alternate reality game and what's different between an alternate reality game and a game, for example, or with a movie, for example. So um, I'm, I'm just going to give an, an example of, of how the game is and how it changed quickly your perception versus a traditional game. Um, so when you start playing the Black Watchmen, you you create your account and you become, you know, a, a secret agent of the Black Watchmen. And uh, when you are in our universe, we start teaching you the rope. You're being a recruit, you're being trained, and you're teaching the, the basic training of becoming an agent. And quickly, the game asks you to leave the game. So quickly, the game will give you challenge that requires you to go online, to go look for a website to go look for a code to go research wikipedia and the information and the tasks we may make you do basically um, make you blend the real world with our fiction and and the alternate reality is really that notion the fact that we created an alternate version based or you know uh, with the foundation, with the real world as, as its foundation. So, touch point, you're gonna go online, you're gonna see a website. For anyone else, it's a real website. For you, you know it's part of the game or it's an extension of the game. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn, you will see one of our NPC, You will contact the NPC. Uh, you will receive a reply. You know it's part of the game, but for anyone else, it looks like a real person on, on LinkedIn.
2: There's a lot behind uh, what Andrea is talking about. I want to talk a little bit about this gaming gene and uh, that he says everybody has, and I think it's absolutely correct. And one of the indicators of it was during the recent financial crisis, um, all indicators uh, said that the gaming industry uh, grew consistently, uh, regardless of the economic downturns. Film uh, becoming larger than the film and music industries put together, which long since, has long since happened. Um, but also uh, unabated growth mm-hmm. during economic downturns, which says that no matter what's happening, in fact, even sometimes because of what's happening, people are much more are very interested in playing the whether it's a video game or an alternate reality game, it's a very similar part of the mind that's mm-hmm. engaged, and it allows you to, in some ways, disengage with your perceptions of of current reality. It may mm-hmm. use elements of current reality, like uh, a fake 800 number that you call exactly. so that you can hack you know, or spy on an evil pharmaceutical corporation or yeah. whatever, but um, it, it detaches you from your current reality and allows you to play a character, to be an assassin, to be a spy, to be a hacker and a revolutionary or whatever the character is yeah. in that world.
1: Ukraine. Yeah. And like you see a lot of people, a lot of brands doing that with that gamification, which is that massive buzzword, and it has been that buzzword for a long time. Um, but one of the biggest misnomers with gamification is that they think, that just put a couple of leaderboards out there or give some people badges. That's, that's not really what it's all about, um, because best practice of gamification goes beyond the extrinsic motivation of competition, Right. It's more about designing something that's around the intrinsic motivators people have, like providing a sense of mastery or just kind of just having a job well done, Mm -hmm. really. Um, So what we are seeing these days are a lot of Fortune 500 companies adopting this methodology and applying it to their internal relations to create a better employee engagement and performance within the company. I
2: think there's lots of, you know, cultural or employee engagement applications. But I also think um, we're seeing some really interesting things happening with the gamification of activities in areas like mental health and physical health Mm. and et cetera, you know, beyond using your Fitbit, um, you know, or or the standard apps, uh, but where you can – children can gamify a little bit their – their health and well-being if they've recently had surgery or they've gone through chemotherapy. So the Sick Kids Pain App, oh you know, wow, gamified. It's very hard for children to tell you if they're in pain or to what degree and whether they should be taking pain medication. They can't often verbalize it. When you gamify it, though, you can. It's a form of communication. In mm-hmm. other words, information is coming through um, that will tell the adult or the physician. Uh, it's time for this child to take some pain medication or et cetera. In other words, it provides a unique insight into how a person's feeling. It allows them to even sometimes feel what they're feeling or know what they're feeling more accurately. Mm-hmm. Because very often we just kind of glide by these things until it's too late in terms of mental health, in terms of um, pain, you know, after uh, yeah. medical procedures. Because pain cetera. is
1: relative, right? Yeah. I don't really
2: have a high pain threshold. So, uh. <laughs> so,
1: I'm such a wuss.
2: Therefore, this kind of uh, app might be yeah. very helpful to you. Um, Definitely. But I think, uh, it's whether it's in the form of an app or in an alternate reality game, we inherently, I think, as a species, and you can see it even in some of the species that we're related to um, social animals, basically, social mammals. Mm-hmm. Social mammals like to play and they like to play games. And I think the difference between them and and humans is only in the fact that because we have these big four brains, uh, we have bigger, let's say, intellects, the degree to which we need to have um, rules and principles and levels in a game to make it increasingly more interesting to us, that's where it's different. But all social mammals play games, and gaming and play are inherently part of our, our makeup.
1: Yeah, of course. And you were talking about just design and products or in in other fields, like in the medical field. But there was one that I saw in the brand marketing world that was done by Coke. It was done about like five years ago. Uh, It was in Hong Kong, and they offered a free branded iPhone app. At the same time, they ran a TV spot that would only run in the evenings.
2: Um, Branded iPhone app, I said Coke.
1: Yeah, it was Coke. And so it was called, it was actually called choke. Choke. Which is a (laughs) slang word which translates into rapid movement. So what they would do is the ads would play. And while the spot played, fans were asked to open the app and physically shake their phones. And it would be called choke, 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 And so when they would shake it, they would get promotions and like free prizes and whatnot from their partners like McDonald's or someone else, Right. So this went absolutely viral. Like teens went batshit crazy for it. It was number one on the App Store and it was the most watched TV ad in Hong Kong history. Wow. Yeah, and that's just promotion though. Like it's, it's not like product design, so it's not going to last, but it does play with the emotional factor of like curiosity and unpredictability. And that's why I was so, so good. But you're right in terms of gamification being embedded into the design of a product mm-hmm. or an app, that's what really kind of triggers those motions of actually the motivation to master something or mm-hmm. just to get good at something. I think that's what the key of gamification is, what it is yeah. to
2: leverage. I think it is uh, exactly that. You know, it, it is the desire to play and to be creative, but it's also mastery. And, and briefly, when Andrea had us play... That alternate reality game, and I, I, <laughs> yeah. I the name of which I can't remember. But you know, we had to be detectives and going online and picking up clues at the various websites and, you know, and... What was that called? And different places and, where we really had to work as a group, as a team, to deduce... These clues, which led to other clues, Mm -hmm. it was obviously, you know, Easter eggs and treasure trails. But they're rooted in history, too. And they're rooted in history. So knowledge and research ability and deduction ability and the ability to share information so that, you know, one plus one equals three. Because I may know a clue. You may know something or have figured out something. And together we go, aha, so that's what this really means. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly exciting, uh, but it was also difficult, meaning it was not easy to figure this stuff out the harder something is, the greater the chemical payoff Uh, when you figure it out or when you master it. Mm -hmm. And so I remember in that session, the feeling I had, the chemical rush I had when I had figured something out, when I had figured out a clue and I had deduced correctly what it meant and found the next clue as the Easter egg, it was just a rush of energy that went through me and I thought, this is why people get addicted why, yeah. to gamification. Yeah, this is why people don't leave their house. <laughs> yeah, and that's why there's a gaming gene, meaning mm-hmm. that emotional chemical response is built in. And I'm not really what I would call like a like a gamer kind of personality no. type, and yet everybody has it, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we can talk about this forever, but there is one part in the interview where you and Andrea speak about a universe and creating a, uh, like a platform where people can choose certain roles within that environment or ecosystem. So let's have a quick listen to that, and then we'll come back.
2: I want to talk a little bit about the word you just used, which is universe. And, and I believe that every brand should create its own universe. And if it doesn't fully realize a universe, it's not a fully realized brand. Within a universe that you create in an alternate reality game, um, are there, is there a, a, an attraction to exploring different identities Because we have found in the work that we've done in retail, doing kind of mind mapping of retail consumers, one of the things that is particularly exciting about the most inspiring retail experiences is that you are literally starting to experiment with different identities right, that, you know, the, the badass motorcycle person or the superhero or this or that, that it's very similar to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. In other words, everybody has within them hidden identities mm-hmm. that when you go to work go to school or you're making dinner, you don't get to express those identities. You just mm-hmm. have your roles in life. Yeah. But these hidden identities are things that are powerful needs in, in humans. Do you find that expresses
0: itself a lot in, in your world? So in, in the... Um, in the, in the, Black, the Blackwash Man or the other alternative reality game we do is that first of all we have to create a platform where people can role play and create their identity um, and that's mandatory you know it's not even an option not, not having that will be a failure for the game it's, 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 uh, it's an expression that they, they need to uh, and, and, and once it has been created our goal is to, be, is to make sure that um, they feel rewarded And they feel that they're good in this identity. They can evolve as Mm -hmm. characters. Mm -hmm. So when you join the Black Watchmen, um, there's an array of mission that we've created to be sure that any type or any style of multiple type and style of identity will at some point feel fulfill or feel that... That was straight in their skill set, and they were able to do that mission because, you know, uh, we, we've done a little mm-hmm. session just before this podcast, and it was interesting to see people around the table, different type of profile, different type of age, and some of them nail a specific part of the mission and became really excited, mm-hmm. and the other one were not really that engaged until they got something that they were part of their identity and they were able to really solve and or make a
2: contribution or make too. a contribution, may yeah. not solve
0: it, but just make a contribution. Yeah. And that collective immersion yeah. is something that um, uh, you will you will get when you play, you know, the game and you you, you have this evolution and contribution going on
2: the the contribution thing and the role you know having a having a role to play on a team to solve a problem is very interesting because it, it seems to form a part of a lot of games. You see it mirrored in pop culture in shows like Sense Eight, you know or Scorpion, where there, you have a, a ragtag group of brilliant people, but each mm-hmm. has a specialty. One is a mechanical genius, one is a psychological genius, one is a coding mm-hmm. or a mathematical genius. There's a little bit of that that we, we notice in your world as well when it comes to people coming together mm-hmm. to play a game where they, do they fall out into certain roles where one's yes. the research geek and yeah. one's the coder yeah. and right?
0: Absolutely. And uh, the biggest, uh, because Black Watchmen is a paid ARG, which by itself may get a little bit smaller than other ARG we have run. Uh, we have run for brand uh, and for uh, uh, other game, uh, larger, l- larger ARG. And the biggest ARG we've run was close to 400,000 players. Um, and uh, I can tell you it's really scary when you see 400,000 mines putting their head together trying to solve something because the sheer brute force of everything they can come up with will actually defeat any puzzle that you can (laughs) try to create as a puzzle designer, you know. It's Uh, computing power. It's computing power at that that scale. It's completely computing power. And And could we
2: solve some of the world's problems by using this technology and combining thousands and hundreds of thousands of minds? Clearly,
0: because the thing we throw at them the 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 nature of the puzzle of the equation we throw at them, there's basically not, it's not a question if they're gonna solve it. It's a question if are we able to make it last more than five minutes. Are we able because they solve make it like, that fast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we have wow. to change mechanic. We have to change the structure. We have mm-hmm. to change the way a, a puzzle will be. You know rollout because it's not a problem when you don't have many players uh, but as soon as you hit a critical mass then you will see exactly that you will see an archivist someone who will take notes someone who will organize the information you will see a cipher or uh, you know someone who will be much more into code breaking and techn- stuff like that you will see you know more knowledgeable or researcher who will get you know information about Google googling stuff and getting the information and whatnot um, so so, so those profiles show up quickly. The one profile that is interesting is the lurker. The uh, lurker. Yeah, the lurker. <laughs> you will get about and typically in the ARG we've run since two thousand and seven. We'll see that we have a good share amount of lurker. About you know sixty to know uh, fifty sixty percent to almost eighty percent sometimes of people who are just there. To enjoy the show, hmm. you know, to to see these the spectators. Mind. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, they are they are active spectator because active as soon spectators. as you put yeah, a yeah. vote, or as soon as you took, you mm-hmm. put some kind of uh, individual contribution, they will they will jump in. They will be not just you know a uh, uh, spectator. They will actually participate. Mm-hmm. But it will be not as code breaker or you know as, see, as decipher itself. But the lurker, the lurker himself, is is important mechanic. So you basically have to craft a game that is fun for the puzzle solver, mm. but is also entertaining for the people watching the puzzle solver. Fascinating.
2: <clears throat> I want to go back to this this notion of that many minds put together to to solve uh, a problem and the speed with which they can solve it, because it's exponential computing power. Um, it, it really solves a a problem or question. That had bothered me for about 20, 25 years. So when I was studying anthropology and psychology in school, um, Sigmund Freud uh, and many other psychologists were, had a very low opinion of groupthink and mob rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the quote, and I'm going to butcher this quote from Freud, is the IQ goes down the more people you have in the mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. He was a, a fan of individual ability, not group. But I think the answer is not how many people you have, but how you link them together. Will either turn into a mob or turn into a super brain? You create super brains.
0: Well, um, <laughs> uh, th- indeed. I mean, if you look at the Black Watchman itself, um, we're closing in. Uh, we're closing in fifty. If uh, I latest number I would say close to fifty to fifty-five thousand of our being played by our collective community, um, and. Uh, the good thing is that Black Watchmen is a highly educational game. You will learn tons of stuff. You will learn tons of stuff about language, mathematics, history, um, conspiracy, obviously, uh, stuff like that. And, and it's it's exciting to think that uh, the more and more these games are going to be adopted massively, the more and more the type of, of alternate reality we make people live in could actually solve challenge in our real reality um, and that is uh, that is clearly the case when you have hundreds of thousands of hours of you know uh, of, of people you know so let's say you have employees in a company <clears throat> or a community you know uh,
2: that is around an issue let's say it's about you know cancer research or mm-hmm. etc could you link them together through alternate reality in mm-hmm. order to, in an enjoyable way, mm-hmm. solve a problem that they've spent years trying to figure out? Yeah, is I, there is that a high possibility?
0: Well, I strongly believe yes. I yes. strongly believe that it's. Uh, again, I strongly believe that the the gamer gene I was talking about. Like mm-hmm. I said, Alison Smith, we consider ourselves researcher of the gaming gene, basically. And we're trying to figure out how we engage with the gaming gene and how, you know, different type of gaming gene is out there in the population. And you
2: believe everybody has the gaming gene I to some degree. I believe at some degree. It's not just for gamers. No, 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 no. Because I'm not believe, a gamer, but I have the yeah, gaming gene. I can yeah, feel it. absolutely.
0: I strongly believe that that anyone have a gaming gene and there's a way to engage it. Yeah. And there's a vocabulary, or there's mechanics, stuff like that. Um, but uh, I think that um, uh, it's absolutely... Uh, uh, possible to mm-hmm. reach a stage in which you you use alternate reality to challenge serious, amazing, uh, amazing. Serious
2: well, Andrea, we could just go on forever. This is oh, so yes. fascinating. <laughs> uh, but we've run out of time. But my
0: last little question is: How can people get Black Watchmen? Oh. Uh, so basically, it's on Steam. So you just have to go on Steam. You look Black Watchmen and Steam or Black Watchman, and you will get to our website and we'll direct you on Steam. And the game starts at $10, so it's not, you don't have to you know, spend $8,000. No, no, no. Okay. You can start with the basic version of the game. And initially, it's up to you. You, you play when you want. And later on, when there's live events, you can upgrade to include your cell phone, and you can get mission by phone. And then you can upgrade to mail and get mission by mail. Cool. So go
2: to Steam, 10 bucks, give it yeah. a try. I tried it this morning, and it was absolutely fascinating. Andrea Doyon, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank
1: you for us. having me. Now, some of you might be thinking that we are a bunch of stargazers believing that the world of gaming can help solve the world's problems. So for those non-believers out there, I know who you are. Here is an example of that potential Juan and Andrea spoke about. There is an online game called Fold It, which is about protein folding. And in 2011, those playing the game resolved the structure of an enzyme that causes an AIDS-like disease in, in monkeys. So you're thinking, whoop de doo who gives a shit? But <laughs> the big part is, is that researchers had been, had been working on this uh, on this problem for 13 years and the gamers solved it in three weeks. The that's world- amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. The world of science and gaming is really not that far apart. They are both trying to solve problems within a given sandbox and set of rules. So I think that with the right people and the right uh, parts set in place, we can leverage that gaming gene and solve the world problems together or at least be those Lurker types and watch it unfold, if you will.
2: Oh, that's very interesting, you know, because um, to a great extent, you know, all creativity and discovery is dependent on uh, pattern recognition, on new combinations of existing things being put together, Mm -hmm. you know, in new ways. You know, a chef friend of mine said, Hey, you know, we all have the same um, kind of ingredients to choose from, Mm -hmm. and we all go to very similar suppliers. But it's the combinations that make a restaurant unique, yeah, and that make you really want to go there and say that this was a really special meal. Um, genetics and, and cooking, and um, gaming and all these things they they have something in common. So I think engaging human minds to in a sense solve puzzles, mm-hmm. um, and and do it in collaborative and accelerated fashion is what you're talking about. That's why it the took only mind. three weeks. Yeah. It mm-hmm. took only three weeks when um, scientists hadn't been able to solve it for, what, 13 years? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That that should tell us something mm-hmm. in terms of how to engage our minds individually and, and in groups to come to collective aha moments or to innovate or invent something Yeah. Uh, net new.
1: And Andrea, I think he mentioned it in the actual interview, but he said that the par- hardest part of his job these days is actually creating a puzzle that's hard that's like hard to solve like that doesn't get solved in like 13 minutes
2: because people are smart and now yeah. they know how to work together because like, yeah when you have yes. 10,000 people working yeah. on
1: one thing it, it can be but done that, in that's a cool two problem to have in that's other words it problem.
2: makes him it forces him to be smarter and more imaginative and yeah. and more clever exactly than ever
1: yeah yeah it's crazy and that about wraps it up for today uh, I would like to thank you all for joining and lending your ears. I'm Nevin Ryan. I'm Wan Yoon. And we'll catch you next time on the next voice you hear.
2: You've been listening to the next voice you hear with Wan Yoon.